And welcome to Fascinating Nouns. Now, if you are listening to this transmission, we are still the galaxy's most trusted source for incredible people, places, things, and ideas. Now, together we arrive at this curious nexus point, and we will explore the strange, unusual, offbeat, bizarre, intriguing, interesting, invigorating, quirky, quaint, quizzical, weird, wild, wacky, the fun, the frivolous, and the fringe, plus all the spaces in between. I am your host, Daniel J. Glenn. Hello, Fascination. Welcome to the show. Well, if you're like I am, every now and again, you need to recharge by going out into nature. You know, sometimes this modern world can beat you down and squish the soul right out of your ears. And you need to take just a second to reconnect with your primal side, your animal side, uh, to experience nature to its fullest, to recharge your body, mind, and soul. Now, I suggest maybe going on a hike. Maybe uh, you've got a nice little, uh, a beautiful park you like to walk through, or maybe there's a nature trail that you want to explore. I suggest go out and do that, but be careful because on those trails, sometimes you may encounter some wildlife. And that is the subject of today's show is how to keep yourself safe while encountering wildlife. You don't want to run into a bear or even a jellyfish or even a, a, a rattlesnake. We're going to tell you how to survive all of those encounters with today's guest, Rachel Levin, who wrote the book Look Big, which is a humorous but informative take on just how to survive any kind of wildlife encounter. Let's get right into this because we got to start saving lives as soon as we can. Rachel, thank you so much for being on the show today. So the book, it's called Look Big, uh, another tips for surviving animal encounters of all kinds. Uh, the Wall Street Journal described your book as a nifty idea carried out with humor and a deft touch. How did you feel about that uh, that assessment? I feel like that nailed it. That was sort of my <laughs> really. Goal. Yeah, I wasn't. I'm not a okay. dry, you know, wildlife biologist, animal, you know, expert. I'm I'm a journalist who loves to, as you were saying, hike and trail run. Um, I live in a city where there's lots of critters. I love the outdoors where there's other kinds of creatures. And so, yeah, I was like, I'm going to come at it from my perspective, which usually leans, leans humorous, but it's, um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, and, and, and also yeah. that it was, you know, talking to a bunch of, uh, ex so as a journalist, I wanted to like talk to a bunch of experts. So it's lighthearted, but thoroughly researched, which I thought Buzzfeed, I remember called it like hilarious, but genuinely helpful. And that is exactly also what I was oh, good. for. Yeah. That's so, great. Yeah. You, you want to be funny and helpful. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that, you know, it has to be funny for people to remember it because, you know, when we're going to get to some of the specifics, but when you really get to, you know, bears especially, you, there's a lot of uh, if this, then that kind of scenario <laughs> where you have to make quick decisions yeah. on the fly that yeah. may or may not be educated. So, uh, the, you know, the better shot that you have. And this book is very successful, um, you know, despite your degree in philosophy, which is, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, you might be, I know two. I know several philosophy majors and you might be the most successful. So that's got to be very, very exciting for you. Apart from, you know, Plato. Right. <laughs> well, he built philosophy. I don't know if he majored it. I guess he did. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. He and the, the yeah. three bigs from the Greek. Yeah, I guess you're right. But I didn't know them personally. I didn't no, know them no, personally. No. So no, no, it's everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this, this proves the point that with a philosophy major, anyone is that any, anyone out there, you can do anything you want. 
doesn't have to be exactly anything remotely related to whatever it is you're studying right now in philosophy. Yeah, it's very, you're very inspiring. Uh, so that uh, you're kind of known for, if I understand this correctly, you're known for Jewish-themed cookbooks. Most of your <laughs> library is Jewish-themed cookbooks. And, I, you know, uh, one of your essays in 2022 was selected for Best American Food Writing. That's pretty cool. Um, but your most obscure accolade is you were the 2018 recipient, uh, I want to make sure I pronounce this correctly, the Corolla Sekel Karib Excellence in Food Journalism Fellowship from the San Francisco chapter of Les Dames de Coffier. <laughs> uh, which one are you more proud of? Um, and what is the second one? I mean, the second one, that uh, well, that's you've really done some fine research here. <laughs> Obscure that's what I do. That's what I'm known um, for. That, Absolutely. I mean, I'm proud of any time, any, anything, anyone is accoladed or you know something is recognized you know there's a lot of stuff out there to yeah. read and people and writers and um the uh well let's see the the fellowship was is a very cool the late dom is a women food organization that's national there's the san francisco chapter in the bay area in san francisco where i live um in honor of a, a past journalist um corolla suckle carib carib um, oh, I, she, I missed that one. Yeah, no, I? I probably did too. I've never met her. I don't know her, but the, but the, the chapter, you know, is honored, has honored her yeah. and her daughter, I guess, has honored her in the last maybe dozen years with a collecting local Bay Area right, journal, food journalists um, whose careers oh, okay. they want to develop and give them a nice fat wad of money and, um, and recognition and just to say, keep going. There's no strings. They're just like, here, congratulations, keep going on um, the work you're doing. So that was very nice of them. And then the best American food writing essay. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I'm, I'm loved. Um, so it's an honor to be included in that, um, in that anthology. And I love the little essay I wrote in it. So I'm glad that it was for either an online essay. So anytime something yeah. is online, I'm happy that it is now in print in a book as well, perpetuity. And I could yeah. give it to my mother-in-law <laughs> who was the yeah. subject of the that essay. Ah, there you go. Which was on grapefruit spoons and other single-use <laughs> utensils of yore. Those are great. I think there's even like absinthe has like a very specific <laughs> like spoon you have to melt the sugar over, I think. I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah, yeah, drinker, yeah. There's but... lots of, there's little anchovy forks. There's, you know, you don't know. There's And so grapefruit spoons... I'm a big fan of, and so I wrote an ode to them. Yeah, and I'm even some opiates you have to burn in a in a spoon, I think, as well. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, very yeah, diff yeah. <laughs> different. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but those are single use. Yeah, um, I wouldn't include those unless you're going for a whole different demographic. Uh, but you know, on your speaking of different demographics, on your website, I'm pulling this. These are your words. Oh my here. god! You describe yourself as. It needs, it needs an update. <laughs> these are these are good. You describe yourself as the occasional Instagrammer hunter, speed a speed dating mother and an incarcerated marathoner. No, so no, I no. Want those to know, are things I've written about. Those are not self- That's how you describe, hey, hey, I'm just, you know, uh, maybe I'm the one who missed that. So you're not, you are, yeah, okay. you are not those things. So I was going to ask what you were in for, and if you speed date, if you're looking for other mothers, or you're trying to find new kids. No, I once wrote a um, little talk of the town for the New Yorker about speed dating mothers, mother, young mothers with babies who are lonely and sad and desperate, and they piled into a warehouse in Brooklyn in search of friends of other young mothers. Uh -huh. And so I. Okay. I, All right. That's fair. Yeah yeah. 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 Um, so I, I, you know, I don't know if that's that, that sort of event took off, but, um, Mm -hmm. That night, it was very fun, and people were happy to. It's very niche. That. Yeah, very, very niche. niche. Very niche. <laughs> Different mm -hmm. kind of speed dating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about this incarcerated marathoner? So, 
you weren't you weren't put in jail for running too many marathons. This is a no, marathon no, that takes no. place written, in a prison. Right? I've written about a couple of incarcerated marathoners, actually. When I think about it, um, this was okay. for in San. Well, the first time I've written, I wrote about this man Charlie Engel who had run a marathon um, while he was in prison, um, or not a marathon, an ultra marathon. Anyway, like Badwater, this crazy ultra marathoner. And then I um, the, I wrote. I think that is referring to the San Quentin Marathon, which is a annual marathon that takes place at San Quentin Prison. Uh, on the prison yard, and I wrote about. Um, I, I went and visited that marathon and reported on it like a sports writer in a prison for a, a day. <laughs> I bet that was fun. It was really cool. I don't, yeah, it was really yeah, interesting. I, yeah, I, I being a man going into a prison, I think, is terrifying. I can't imagine what it'd be like to be a woman going yeah. into a prison. No, it's interesting. Uh, I mean, oh, it's got to be pretty yard. cool because they haven't seen women forever. I mean, you, you know, yeah. you've got like you got the Kim Kardashian treatment. I yeah. guess. I mean, San Quentin right? gets it's a lot cool. of volunteers from outside. So they've seen like women or people are always coming and going. But that day it was, yeah. I didn't really, there was another woman. Um, uh, there was a, one of their coaches, it's a, running coaches is a woman. Otherwise it was, I think we were the only two women I saw in the prison yard. And I felt fine about it. Everyone was really nice and really, um, really kind I'm and sure. really nice until I had to like cross the prison yard by myself on, uh, at the end of it. That was interesting. Yeah. Grown men don't survive that walk. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, it's interesting because, you know, I, you know, being in a prison, it's an enclosed space, right? So you don't think of there being a lot of room to, to run around. You're just running in a, basically yeah. a small circle. Yeah. It's like a quarter mile track. Yeah. Right. I mean, and that, that's, that's what I had in high school and that's, you know, four times around for a mile. So four times 26.4, someone else is going to do that math, but it's a lot, yeah. it's a lot yeah. of laps, it's yeah. over a hundred. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of, uh, <laughs> so, and I knew, you know, it's, so it seems crazy, but I had a friend just tell me that she likes to get 10,000 steps in, mm. but she does it in her apartment. So oh, wow. she paces back and forth for three hours. And wow. that is some insane <laughs> behavior. That's a little hamster, hamster-like. Slash <laughs> yeah. COVID. Yeah, yeah. It feels very early COVID to me also. Very yeah. early COVID. Yeah. But, yeah, um, yeah. But be, I like to go in. outside. Hence, which is why I'm dressed like this. In case I Why dress like this? Why? I was, I'm in, about to go skiing and I just, yeah. And if you want, yeah, if you want to get the full visual effect, of course, check the show out, uh, youtube.com forward slash Daniel J. Glenn. Uh, so, you know, you like to go outside and you have these, uh, you know, you, you have a cookbook line and I was wondering, I'm trying to figure out, you know, I like to make, draw the bridge between subjects. You know, you have been a very eclectic taste. You and I are very similar, except you're much more talented. Um, but we, you know, I was wondering how did these two things come together? And the only thing I could think of was that while you're out hiking, you're looking for exotic meats to put into your recipes <laughs> and you would come across some of these animals and try to take them down yourself. And you realized that you were maybe outside of your abilities and you needed a little, so a couple more skills to make sure that you didn't end up on their plate and they ended up on your plate. How close am I? I mean, that did not, none of that crossed my mind at the time that I wrote the book okay. or even still, uh -huh. but I love, I love that connection. I mean, that is an interesting yeah. kind of connection. That is not, not, there's no correlation there, but I do think, um, at the time the book came out, I think in 2018 initially Yes. and, yeah. um, Eater wrote where I had been a restaurant critic at the time. So I was a restaurant critic for Eater Okay. while I wrote a book about animal encounters the same time yes so those two things. okay so but but ellen fort this um editor at the time wrote a really funny piece where she found the overlap i didn't even you know she, apparently in my book i'm like equating pigeons to this being the size of gravy boats you know I, I, 
yes. there's a lot of she found the, the granular overlap but philosophically the overlap really isn't that crazy it's sort of that in some ways animals are um eating our leftovers in cities you know we're, we're creating mm -hmm. these habitats in cities where animals can have like an all-you-can-eat buffet and so that's why in our urban lives at least our lives are increasingly overlapping apart from the fact that we're moving in on their turf then we're also like overflowing dumpsters so they can the crows can just have at it so there's a correlation there between food food writing and animal encounter writing there's something there <laughs> i think i think we're very close humans you know i've said on on this show and many other shows that i do that overpopulation is what's really going to destroy the human race but on our way to annihilation we're also going to you know, conveniently annihilate many other species. Many of those species, as we expand our territory, we are encountering them more. Social media has made getting that perfect picture key to someone's success. You got to get that dopamine drip. You got to get that like. So I go to a lot of national parks and there's nothing that infuriates me more uh, than mm -hmm. someone going up to wildlife, getting the picture, putting their kids next to a, you know, uh, a big moose or a deer or yeah. something. Yeah. So yeah. as you mentioned your book, we're encountering, you know, wildlife, you know, whether we want to or not, it's happening more and more. So your book is very important right now, um, probably more so than when you wrote it. Mm, yeah, no, I mean, I knew it was a trend as a, not a trend, but, you know, I knew it was only ever increasing. So it's ever timely. I mean, the, the it was going up, people were doing, they're called Torons. There's a funny uh, Instagram site I love called Torons of Yellowstone where shows things Torrance. like that people playing matador with bison and things like that and putting kids on top of um animals and things like that but um so at the time all that stuff was going on but it, it seems to be going on ever more and um yeah. also i think because of social media we see these viral videos of idiocy increasing <laughs> as well <laughs> well i think people like us call it idiocy I think other people look at it and it's like, as, uh, you know, aspirational, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people, <laughs> you know, and that's die, the unfortunate people thing. die like going off on the cliff at Grand, uh, Grand Canyon trying to get that perfect photo. So I think selfies with animals or in pretty, pretty places are like deathly. You got to I'm always like telling my kids, like, do not do anything dumb for a photo. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, just in Yosemite, I think someone fell off a, a waterfall, you know, I mean, well, yeah, you know, this stuff happens all the time. All I mean, the time. You know. But you've heard of the Darwin Awards, right? I mean, this is really what we're talking about here. You know? <laughs> I mean, these, this is, these, I, sometimes I wish these people, this would happen to people before the reproduction age. I mean, that's really how evolution takes care <laughs> of the moron problem, uh, which is what, what I really enjoy. Nature finds yeah. a way, Rachel, you know this. They, <laughs> nature, nature knows what it's doing. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, but it's funny because there's not a lot of advice because as I was reading your book, I started to think like, wow, there is not a lot. Uh, there's no place where all this is just gathered, you exactly, know, where all this information. It's exactly. all old wives tales. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, advice mm -hmm. a friend gave you. Some guy who took, you know, a zoology course in college is telling you everything. Right. Like it, it's, you know, it's a lot of Dunning-Kruger, I think. You know, people who think they know a lot telling you stuff that may not be true. Uh, so that's what I love about this. You know, you get, you know, you get play dead. You get look them in the eyes. Don't look them in the eyes. Uh, don't run. Maybe run. Run up a tree. Definitely don't run up a tree. And it's all. <laughs> 
conflicting and you're kind of, you know, playing guesswork, but you yeah. take the guesswork out. Um, so I want to get into some of the big ones here. But first, I have to say that in your book, what I thought was interesting is you've got a lot of insects, mm-hmm. which I don't think of insects as threats, but they certainly are. But the one that you don't have may be oh. the most glaring error in your book Tell is me. you you do not include fleas. Fleas oh, are responsible yeah. for wiping out what a quarter of Europe's population. Uh, they are to this day still absolutely annoying. I hate fleas. I grew up with them. I grew up in the country, and oh man, I can tell. There's nothing like a flea bite. It's not in your book. What happens? Are you city mouse now? I know. I think the reason I didn't include fleas. I'm sure I thought of it, but I think I, I think for in terms of irritate maximum irritation of the. <laughs> yeah. I think I went for bed bugs because bed bugs. Yeah, yeah, right. I don't know, but you're right. I mean, fleas, bed bugs, there are fruit flies. Yeah, I couldn't do it all. I couldn't do it all. But I do love, as you were saying, like, is there a book that also includes everything and what to do if you're seeing fruit flies or foxes or mice or mountain lions all in one place? No. But now there is. Now there is. <laughs> uh, but if you wanted fleas, this is not the book for you. You may have to do yeah, a separate you'll find research. It. You'll have that. to call um, Daniel... They'll have a hotline. <laughs> yeah, come Please. to me. I know what yeah. to do about these yeah. guys. Uh, but so we need a cheat sheet. And I've had several mm-hmm. of my own wildlife encounters. And what was kind of fun, so we'll get to them hopefully as we talk about what to do. Uh, I want to see how I stacked up. And I think I did all right. I think I did all right. But, um, you know, let's hit some of the big ones first. Let's save some lives here, Rachel. You know, let's go with <laughs> the Dorothy the Gale approach. Yeah, yeah. Lions, tigers, bears, you know, sharks, alligators. Let's hit those first. So I'm I'm down here in Los Angeles and, you know, there is was I can't really tell if this mountain lion is still alive, but there was one kind of stalking around the Hollywood Hills. A lot of people have said that they've they've seen it. Um, Not a lot. Luckily, not a lot of human encounters. Uh, But in your book, one expert that you talked to said that you're more likely to win the lottery than to encounter a mountain lion. Yeah. Uh, which is probably true of most of the stuff we're talking about. Yeah. But, you know, for people listening, you do, some people, everyone wins the lottery, right? Like, it's, <laughs> someone wins everyone. it. Everyone. Every- someone. <laughs> everyone. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone, someone. Someone yeah. and everyone, those are two very different words, meaning two very different things. <laughs> Uh, yeah. But someone wins the lottery, right? Yeah. There are, yeah. I and mean, I think there was just something, uh, uh, you know, my producer sent me this great article. I think it was about a plane crash or a fire where everyone followed the rules and everyone got out safely, oh, right? I love that. But it was one of these yeah. bizarre stories that, you know, one in a million chance type of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But hey, look, sometimes your number comes up and you get yeah. lucky or you get super yeah. unlucky. Yeah, and you want to so be prepared. What, absolutely, prepared. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of that, I'm one in a million here. I didn't win the lottery, but I did run into a mountain lion. What Tell am I me. doing here, Rachel? What am I Tell doing? Tell me here? where. I want to hear about it. Where? How did it go? No, down? no, no. I'm saying, what do I do? No, oh, I haven't. Oh, I haven't. Oh, no, have no. It. I'm asking you. Yeah. What do oh, I do? Me, what I do? mean, yeah. So for me, first of all, yeah, it's super rare. And also, like, to be clear, the lives we're saving are both human and animals. Animal lives. Right. But if yeah, you yeah, do yeah. want to right. trip, the mountain lion really actually has wants nothing to do with you, but you just don't, you know. It really, you, that's why you never see them because they don't want to see you. They like might see you from afar and then they will never let you know they're there. But occasionally, right. you know, and this is my big neurotic fear. So the overlap there between the Jewish cookbook and this book is the underlying anxiety. That right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but, um, but so, so there's that kind of, but the um, trail running. So yeah, I mean, I know I will never, I've seen a mountain lion once actually from a distance 
on a hike. Um, and you can tell the difference between a mountain lion and a bobcat because everyone thinks they've seen a mountain lion, but really they've seen a bobcat. But it's the okay. tail. The tail is really long. Um, okay. And it's just muscular. <laughs> you know, anyway, but from, from a distance, you're fine. If I, if I ever saw one up close, I would, even though I know what to do, I would freak out, obviously. Sure, yeah. That's fair. Um, but uh, so what, do, what should you do? I mean, really, sometimes, and this is my the underlying neuroses, I will, sometimes when I'm running remotely in the trail, um, I will pick up a little rock and just have it okay. in my hand. <laughs> just okay. in case I you see a mountain line. Because I think then you could just, you know, throw it at them. But if you see one, you want to look big. This is a look big situation. You want to, okay. you know, like raise your arms over your head. You want to stand your ground. You want to give a backpack on or a jacket or, you know, you just want to like look as giant as possible. Yeah. And you do not want to run, never run. I mean, clearly the mountain lion could like <laughs> get you in a second. So you never want to, you know, you don't want to uh, freak it out, but you also don't want to, you know, just t take off because it will follow you. So you need to just stand your ground and like kind of just give it hell. I think someone told me to do, you know, verbally. What? <laughs> just start running it down. Yeah. Um, insulting it. Um, yeah. Talking about how much of a wimp it is. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, part of some of the, I mean, I would say running is probably in your book, the theme mm -hmm. that it's probably the thing you least want to do with most, most animals yeah. are, they're four legged and yeah. they're going to be more agile and they're yeah. going to be faster. Yeah. It's and it just triggers physics. and you running, it triggers their wanting to run, you know, yeah. triggers, like even a dog, like dogs are in the book and that kind of, makes some people annoyed. One of my best friends was like, I love your book, but I don't like that there are dogs in the book. I'm like, you know, we all love dogs. I have a dog, but you don't, there's certain things you don't want to do in an event of a, a dog is attacking you for some reason. You don't want to, you don't want to trigger the dog. You don't want to run, you know, anyway, off topic. We don't need to go on dogs because people love dogs, but I'm just saying that you never want to run. The only time you really want to run is if you stepped on a like log and released a whole like hornet's nest or bee's nest, a bee's nest, then you need to run and you can outrun the bees. Yeah, you can see the insects in your book you can outrun, which yeah. I, don't, so I don't consider them a threat. <laughs> Most people can, you know, if you've got, you know, yeah. severe mobility issues, you might have trouble. But yeah, um, but yeah you can't. Yeah. But, you know, mountain lion's interesting because, you know, you say you look big, stare it in the eyes. Um, you mm -hmm. know, you want to, you don't, and you don't want to stand there being afraid because no. animals like human beings, you can sense it. You can smell the fear, yeah. that anxiety, yeah. underlying anxiety that you talk about. People can sense it, you know? Um, and you said, don't lie down and play dead with them or you will be dinner, which is, you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know what a mountain lion yeah. cookbook looks like, but you're well, definitely on the list <laughs> if you do that. Well, even like crouching down, like if you were going to crouch down to pick up your, say you're with a kid or you know, a small dog or your small dog you crouch down, that makes you look more like prey. So you want to like somehow, somehow if you run into it, you want to like gently like keep upright while you lower down to pick up whatever small person or animal you need to pick up. <laughs> Got it, know. right. But don't crouch down and look like you're, yeah, look like you're dinner, yeah. Is, is there ever a, a time, uh, you know, I asked the hard questions on this show. So <laughs> is there ever a time where you feel it might be necessary when encountering a mountain lion or any other animal that you don't think you can scare away to leave your child or your animal behind so that you can get away? I mean, I would never leave my child behind. No, a small animal. I would, if it was between my, you know, myself and a small animal and my child, I think I would take the humans, but you know, 
you don't want to get, but, but small dogs like this. Um, yeah, you want to see where you are on the morality spectrum here. I want to see <laughs> yeah. where you, we got to see where you fall because yeah, I'm leaving no. kids behind. It's all about me. I got to get out of there. I don't even like kids. So oh they're doing me, a, mountain lions doing me a favor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I would actually it. bring someone else's kid with me just in case I run into a mountain lion <laughs> yeah. so that I can an get away. An annoying kid, maybe like an annoying kid. Let's do you everyone a favor. Behind. Yeah, 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 I mean, could, I don't know. But yeah, but the there's odds, plenty of kids. Odds, you're never really going to see a mountain lion on trail. I mean, there was some viral videos that go on, like a couple, like last year, that guy in Utah trail running. You know, that was crazy. This guy, this mountain lion was kind of didn't leave it alone. But usually they're going to leave you alone. So, I, you know, and they really don't want anything to do with you. But the mountain lion for me is one of the big, the big, uh, the big fear. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine. But they're well, gorgeous. Because, like, they're beautiful animals. Like, you'd be so lucky to see one, but just from a distance without startling it. But, you know, just like they're apex predators. I mean, mm -hmm. cats, you know, the cats we have around our house are small versions of them. And they're, you know, almost perfect killers. We'll get to the perfect killer. Uh, but they're pretty close. Um, and, uh, you know, the next one on the list, we got bears. Now, this one, I think, was the most confusing I chapter. I know. People have said that. But it's that's because there's no right answer. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, it's not it's not a criticism on your writing. It's more of a reflection on just how dangerous that bears can be and mm -hmm. the wide spectrum of mm -hmm. possibilities and outcomes that there could be. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, bears are not dangerous. I will say because people will be mad that we're saying that they're not dangerous. It's just that if startled. You don't want to startle a bear. They're by inherently not dangerous. They just don't. You just don't want to startle one. You know. Well, I I completely disagree with you on both points. I don't <laughs> care about offending some bear enthusiast, and I don't want to hurt their feelings because I'm telling people that bears aren't dangerous. That's ridiculous. You describe them as a sophisized monster with Freddy Krueger claws that are attached. So they're dangerous. I just so as big as, big as a sofa, which I think if, I'm at my, <laughs> this sofa, and, this, and I'm like, wow, that's giant. But yeah, it's yeah. huge. Yeah. So look, if you're people out there who got offended by me saying that, listen to something else. I'm not for you. Um, but if you want to know, if you want to have your life saved, let's let's talk real talk about bears. So uh, and people are pretty dumb. You know, I'll tell you, this is an encounter that I had. This is a time when I was very stupid. I was probably runner up on a Darwin Award, Rachel, um, where I was going through. I want to say Yosemite. I believe it was Yosemite, but it was a mm -hmm. national park. Mm -hmm. You drive in and you see the red, you know, the red lights, everyone's stopping. And it turns out there was a family of bears crossing the street. Mm -hmm. Now, this is something that should be observed from your car <laughs> oh with the God. windows preferably rolled up. Mm -hmm. But I this is pre-social media. So I this is I was pre-stupid, right? Like <laughs> now we're trained to be dumb. This <laughs> is this is old school. Without, without ever seeing anyone else be yeah, <laughs> yeah, this is old yeah. school moronic behavior, right? Old school so uh, <laughs> yeah, 100%. So uh, I went out of the car and I tried to get the picture. Now I kept the distance. I didn't go and like put my arm around the bear, but it was very <laughs> exciting to see. I just, I love animals. And, mm -hmm. you know, now as an animal lover, I realize the further you are away from them, that's how you show your love. Because the closer <laughs> you get and the more familiar with that, with humans they are, the yeah. more you find bears in swimming pools and jumping on trampolines. Exactly. And, you know, exactly. you want to get them as far away as possible so they can live their happy life and you can live your happy life. Exactly. But this is a, an, an encounter where I was pretty stupid. So 
I want to know, what do you actually do? Obviously, you don't get out of your car. <laughs> Obviously, you don't walk up to them and take pictures. Oh, my God. But Did you, you really do, do that? I unfortunately I did. Yeah, I'm not making oh it up. Oh my god! Oh my I'm usually, god! And then you were I, okay. Like, they, what, how close did you get? I didn't really get that close. Okay. Uh, I was close enough to take a cool picture, and Ooh. I'll be honest, it was it was really my desire to see an animal that close was really about my love of animals, and yeah. I just think no, bears are so people, cute. Yeah, yeah. But it was it's the wrong 100 percent the wrong page. I was 100 percent in the wrong. But yeah, I got I got close. Not too close, but yeah. close enough yeah. to get a good picture. I yeah. wonder if I still have them. No, that reminds me of a woman. One of the, I remember this, one of my favorite quotes in the book was this wildlife, marine wildlife biologist who said, like, people were getting up and close personal with whales. Like, they're getting on paddle boards and they want to, like, really get close to the whale. And she's like, if you want an intimate experience with an animal in the wild or just with an animal, like, get a dog. <laughs> get a dog yeah. or a cat. Like, you don't need yeah. to get close with a bear or a whale. Yeah, no, that's true. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And and it works. Yeah. You know, yeah, I love my, yeah, yeah, I love yeah. my dog. So what should uh, you do if you see the bear? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, Which, well, so, yeah. Uh, well, two things, two things really quickly. Um, you know, I, I went to Lake Tahoe recently and it turns mm -hmm. out in your book, that's where the experts say that there's prevalent, prevalent yeah. bear activity. Yeah, and what other? Right I, yeah. Oh, is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, so this mm -hmm. is perfect. A perfect yeah. place for you to tell me yeah. all about this. <laughs> okay. Uh, and the other, I want to tell you about one other encounter, and this was probably, you know, what, you know how, when, so for people who haven't been into bear country, mm -hmm. if you're in a place like that, like Lake Tahoe, and you can mm -hmm. attest to this, Rachel, mm -hmm. um, they have bear, bear containers. So if you yeah. have garbage, you put it in these hard to open, or impossible for animals to open containers, keep your food mm -hmm. in there, keeps the smells intact, you know, no one's going to get the food and tear it all over the place and they don't get used to coming and finding food and you're mm -hmm. a lot of pros and cons to this. Mm -hmm. So I went to Yosemite and I stayed in one of the, um, it's not a cabin, it's like a big yeah, tent. Tents. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So mm -hmm. I was there and I was following the rules, but I'm pretty sure that I forgot to put away a small mm -hmm. container of shampoo. Mm -hmm. All I know is it's and here's the crazy thing is it's like a horror movie where if you have to go to the bathroom, you have to get out of your tent in the middle of the night and walk down a dark trail where you know that there's bears. You know that there's animals that come out at night and go to the bathroom. Right. No, no serial killers. But as we mentioned, mm -hmm. sofa with Freddy Krueger claws. So uh, that's the situation we're dealing with. So I remember I was trying to go to bed. And all of a sudden you hear like this, it sounded like a Wookiee, you know, like something out of Star Wars. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and I shot out of bed and I'm looking around. You know how, you know what, when something like that happens, you just hyper-focused, you're hearing yeah. everything, yeah. And you're paying attention. And someone in the next cabin, you could just hear like the wife say like, did you hear that? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh my God, I think there's a bear outside. <laughs> I was much older. I did not walk out to get a picture. Good. I stayed Good. right where I was. Good. But I'm pretty yeah, sure that, that was that was my that fault. canvas tent is, you know, they're not gonna get through that. <laughs> How could they? Freddy Krueger claws can't get through canvas. It's the strongest material known to man. Uh so anyway, so those are my experiences. So unfortunately, mm -hmm. I've got several mm -hmm. bear experiences. I survived all of them despite my Good. stupidity. Good. But what are we doing here? There's a couple of factors, yeah. grizzly versus brown, you mm -hmm. know, your turf versus theirs, yeah. um, defensive yeah. versus um versus predatory. What are we what are we doing here, Rachel? Give me some of the Well, outlines. I mean, that's the thing. Like here in Tahoe definitely bear there's black bears there's no brown bears and brown bears black bears can be brown but they are still black bears you know they're, More, they're not 
Uh, Let's hit the confusion early on. Let's hit the confusion (laughs) up front. Hit it hard. Brown bears can be black. Black bears can be brown. Grizzly bears can be both brown and black. And some some brown and black bears are known as grizzly. Yes, yes, or white. So what are we doing here? So basically, I would just say, know where you are. So I'm in California right now. I'm in Tahoe. We they Tahoe. I mean, California long ago used in the early days used to have grizzly bears. Now it's just black bears. So black bears are not, you know, they they but they are very used to being around humans here in Tahoe. Like okay. very used to it. So that's why every single house has a bear bin. Last night we drove in our Chipotle cart. I was like, don't leave these in the car, We're putting them in the bear bin. Yes, it's winter, but who, it's all, who knows anymore. They're hard, you know, the, with climate change, bears are out all the time. There was one just that, just like found on the slopes of Heavenly. Poor bear was scared. It darted across the slopes of, of Heavenly Ski Resort. Um, but, you know, in that case, everyone was fine. The bear ran away. The kids, the people just kept skiing. So really, you want to just hear, if you see a bear, if I'm sitting on this in this house and a bear walks up on this deck, I would just yell at it and pound on the window and say, go away, just go away. Like this woman up here just thinks it calls them big chickens. She's like a bear whisperer. Yeah. <laughs> so they've been around humans so long that they understand English now. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Bas- they basically are like, hey, how are you, Rachel? Can I come into your kitchen? Yeah, they don't even ask. Yeah. They'll just come in. They don't even right. care. So if you, leave it, if you leave your door open, if you leave your car door, if you leave like a cake in your car and the, the car, it will, it will get into your car. Basically, you just kind of, you know, lock sounds like door. from a personal experience. <laughs> no, no, never happened. Never. That sounds but very I mean, specific, yeah. Rachel. But mm-hmm. if I was like walking my dog around here and then there was a bear, I would just be like, oh, I would keep my dog close because dogs and animals are usually the ones that get into the trouble. Yeah, and I would yeah, just right. yell at it and say, go away. I would not run. I would walk away slowly in the other direction. Okay. You know, yeah. Well, and then, here, and, you know, yeah. And that's, so that's on your turf, Grizzly. Yeah, that's your turf, Black Bear. Now, in the wild on their turf, there's a, a couple of different rules here, you know. Yeah. Um, but you say mm-hmm. be calm, you know, this don't scream or turn your back. Now, yeah. this is a do not run scenario. And it's interesting yeah. <laughs> because you were you were kind enough to put miles per hour on how some of these fast these animals run. And I don't know what they've been clocked at, but I'm going to take <laughs> you at your word. But what's interesting is that I do know people who have been clocked, and that is NFL running backs and certain uh, Olympic sprinters. And so, you know, Tyreek. Tyreek Hill and Raheem Mostert, who are some of the fastest people in the NFL, are clocked at 22 miles an hour. I'm guessing Usain Bolt, maybe 25 miles an hour. That dude's really fast, legendarily fast. That does not even hold a candle to 35. Yeah, the bear will still outrun. The bear, that's a good way to put it. I should have put that in. The bear would even outrun Usain Bolt. That's a good way to think of it. Don't ever try. Don't ever try. Because then that's going to trigger it. And Tyreek Hill's nickname's the Cheetah, but um, he's not getting to oh, yeah. 72 miles an hour. You know, no. he's fast for yeah. a human. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and so, so this is, you know, so, you know, the, the the black bears on your turf, you can kind of, if you're on a hike, you know, I, I don't think you're in a lot of danger if you make noise, yeah. carry bear spray. Um, and if you're not a, encountering a mother and a cub because, you know, um, we've all run into those crazy moms, you know, as human (laughs) beings, your life can kind of be at risk. You know, if you dare say something bad about someone else's child or take them out (laughs) on a hike and get them killed by a mountain lion, you run into some real trouble there. That's nothing about bear mothers. You know, this is mother bear is a, that is a saying that people say, you know, um, you don't want to get in. Now that's a tricky situation, Rachel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would be what you d- never, you want to hope not to encounter. You just want to get out of there and just get like steer clear, 
you know, just give them all the space in the world. You don't need to get anywhere near there. But I mean, and that's when the bear, like that mom will feel threatened. Her, she'll feel threatened because her, she'll feel like her kids are threatened. They don't yeah. know that we are so, so afraid that they don't, but you know, they're afraid of us. Anyway, so everyone's just afraid of them. So basically, yeah, if a mama cub attacks you with her, with her cubs nearby, that is the way, like, I think one of the only times you're supposed to play dead. Like just really, play dead. I think yeah. so. If you're attacked, you think you know, so? It, you're the expert. No, no. If it's what am attacked, I doing here? I mean, it's never happened to me, but I hope. But no, if it 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 should, if that in that scenario, people's lives dead. are at stake here. Get the get the information correct. <laughs> people's I lives mean, are on but the line. normally, like a like you, if and then if you're attacked by a, a say a male black bear, you're supposed to fight back. I mean, I, I think in the moment it's gonna be very hard to be like, are you a male or a female? Are you do you have kids or 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 no? Or no are you no grizzly? Yeah. I can't tell. <laughs> so yeah, I think the a, overarching thing is to just kind of make if you're in the wild. Just make noise. Don't just be quiet. Don't listen to your headphones. Don't be like zoned out to music. You need to be aware of your surroundings. You'd, so I think just, and every five, you know, every so often be like, hey, bear, and then they won't really startle you. All those are very important. Uh, I mm -hmm. will say in my notes here, if a bear lays its paws on you, bear defending cubs, play dead. So at yeah. least in yeah. your book, um, yeah. that was correct. <laughs> and you have, you know, you have defensive. So that's kind of a defensive situation where mm -hmm. no, there, no one's really looking to get into a fight. Everyone's posturing. You know, this is like a bar at 2 a.m., uh, yeah. you know, when things yeah, are getting a little exactly. heated. And, you retreat. You know, Just walk away. Yeah, there's no reason. No one really wants to. I mean, there's, there's some lunatics out there. I'm sure there's some lunatic bears. Like there's some lunatic people who are looking to fight. For mm -hmm. the most part, everyone's just posturing. We can all have, we can go on with our lives. But the predatory part, this is where things get really tricky. Uh, and I'm not sure that there's really an answer except fight back. And that's really only going to prolong your death. So should you break your own neck if you see a predatory grizzly bear coming at you? Well, it's a, if it's bluff chart, I mean, here's the thing, like a predatory bear would have like, you know, it would be like ears, its ears would be up. It would be like, you know, staring at you and it would, you know, that's when you want to look big and lock your eyes and shout mm -hmm. Okay. and throw things. But otherwise, um, if it, I think you're supposed to, this is so counterintuitive as a human, if it charges yeah. you and it's mm -hmm. bluff charging. Yeah. You're you're literally just supposed to stand there while this thing charges you, and then that's <laughs> and then that's while and then that's how it will be like blow, walk you know yeah. lay off. But yeah, you know. But really, you real want to just know where you are and and be be aware and just never run. And also, if you're in real grizzly country, carry bear spray because that stuff works like ninety eight percent of the time if you use it properly. So um, that's a good. Uh, thing to remember like if you're in bear country the responsible thing for both you and the bears to carry bear spray so that no one gets into any trouble yeah i did find that interesting is that when you, in your book it says when used properly you have a 98 percent survival rate with bear spray but two percent that's still one out of 50 <laughs> of not surviving that, those are numbers that i'm not entirely comfortable with <laughs> but uh what am i going to do that's what yeah. they are. They're yeah. not really gonna do. Uh, all right, so we yeah. got bears. We got bears down, sort of. I think it's we did as good a job <laughs> as you can do. I think uh, with bears. Uh, so let's go on. I got a couple more here. Um, yeah. Alligators. Now this is the first one in the book, obviously for alphabetical order. Now these things, I I really like alligators. I think that they seem to be. They're almost like living fossils. I mean, if you pictured a, an aquatic dinosaur. This is what they are. I know. I, mean, I know. You know, it's like the last remnant. It's like the last thing we have. 
And they live hundreds of years. You know, uh, they're pretty cool. Now, my grandma lives in Florida. And I think in your book, you say every Mm -hmm. body of water has a gator in it. Um, Freshwater in Florida. In Florida. In in Florida. Yeah. Uh, That's I mean, that's a startling number. I mean, you know, I think we're also four feet away from a spider at all times or something like that for the arachnophobes (laughs) out there. Uh, But this is I think this is some simple there's some simple rules here. You know, don't dangle your feet over the boat or anything, you know, except a child. Uh, don't dangle anything over the boat. And here's what's crazy. You can outrun an alligator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So these are an animal you are quicker than and probably should run from. Now, yeah. if they've got you in the water, you're kind of toast because they will try to drown you and they're pretty good at it. They're like serial killer good at drowning you. Yeah, that would be crazy. But I mean, you shouldn't even be in the water. So it's like... You shouldn't even get yourself in that situation in Florida. Right. right. Florida. (laughs) So is there, so, um, uh, oh, so this is, this is interesting with alligators. One before we move on is that Mm -hmm. you mentioned that they don't like struggling prey. So Mm -hmm. if you put Mm -hmm. up a fight, you might win. This is one of those weird situations where you can outrun them. Mm -hmm. Uh, They will play in water. You have mm-hmm. a, ch- a very good chance, higher mm-hmm. than 2%, I think, or 98%. Uh, you can outrun them. If you mm-hmm. are caught and you're pulled into the water, you still can get away. You know, there's this famous thing. It's called like the Battle of of you know, somewhere in Africa. There was this this thing where, this, where a lion grabs like a baby um, bison and the bison, you know, there's fight, he's fighting it off. And then he falls in the water and there's alligators in the water. And, and then all of a sudden this whole herd of bison come up and they fend off the three lions who hold their ground. And somehow this baby survives. I mean, it's one of the craziest <laughs> animal videos I've ever seen. But it proves that even a baby bison can get away from an alligator. So uh, they're not as scary as I thought they were. You paint a pretty, um, you know, non-terrifying picture of them. Yeah, apart from the fact where I, I think I said something like that if they get you they'll latch onto you roll you underwater and like down you like a tequila shot so yeah. that's why you need to fight <laughs> right yeah you did say that yeah they are very good at drowning you no i wouldn't want to get caught in an alligator roll but um yeah, yeah. But, but you have a you shot have to, you have a shot yeah you gotta you, you got a puncher's chance as they say yeah 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 um, yeah, yeah 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 so yeah. all of the ones we've talked about make a lot of sense to me they're all things we've heard about you know good <laughs> advice but this is the one the one we're going to talk about next this is the one that really startled me and that is, you call this is the king of all killers. Experts say that this animal, you have more to fear from them than a bear or a mountain lion. And another expert in your book says that you should treat this creature like a serial killer in the middle of the trail with a loaded gun. Wow. And also, this was your, I believe, introductory Ooh. wildlife encounter, which you survived. <laughs> I mean, given those, given that introduction, I don't know how you survived, but you did. And this is what got, made you write this book. Now, of course... You know what we're talking about. And this I is do. this is the moose. This is Bullwinkle. Dopey day, hey, Bullwinkle. The moose is the king of all killers? What's going on here, Rachel? This is this is counterintuitive. I mean, I mean, I've always loved moose. And that's the thing. Moose looks so gentle and sweet and kind and like grandfatherly almost. They look <sighs> just amazing. like these giant, you know, these giant, like cute, sweet, wise animals. But I, so I'm from Boston originally. I live in California. Um, Like, I think a moose was like the mascot of my elementary um, school team. You know, so I just always, I just never knew anything about moose until I encountered one on cross-country skis by myself in Colorado. 
And all of a sudden this like ginormous animal was standing in front of me, looking at me. And then I didn't know what to do. And so I just sort of turned around and went back. And then my husband was like, wait, you saw a moose alone in the woods? Like you can, yeah. he's like, it could have charged. I was very close to it, like very close to it. So apparently I emerged unscathed. I, I had no idea. And I'm like more outdoorsy than most people. If you're going to, you know, if you're going to put me on a spectrum of people who should know about moose and what they're dangerous, I should have known that. I, sh- I'm like, I was like a travel editor. I was like, a- anyway, <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't know that some, for some reason. <laughs> and I blame it on my, you know, childhood. So yeah, I was like, wait a minute. I need to know what you do if you see a moose. So then I was like, uh, let me call some experts. Um, and so that was the impetus for writing this book, along with the fact that I live in a street in San Francisco where raccoons are in your trash cans every night and things like that. So it was the confluence of factors, just realizing that animals were encroaching on my life. And I wanted to know what to do in the, every scenario. With every That's animal. one perspective. I would say that mm-hmm. we're encroaching on their life, but... Um, oh, yeah, we are encroaching on their life. Yeah, That's, but I think most yeah. people say that they're encroaching on theirs for sure. I say both. I mean, I say that we are encroaching on their turf. No, no, I mean, we are encroaching on their turf. um, And then in turn, so basically we just need to learn how to coexist. And that's the point. And so it's up to us to learn that because they are animals just living their lives. Right. (laughs) Trying to. Right. (laughs) Trying to. The humans get in the way. Uh, This was, you know, this is pretty crazy. I have seen moose. I have not been that close, um, but Mm -hmm. I never would have thought that you're supposed to treat them like a serial killer in the middle of the trail with a loaded gun. Yeah, that uh, was not my quote, by the way. That was the expert I talked to. Yes. Right? That, yeah. yeah, 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 right. So that was, yeah, um, there were, yeah <laughs> a lot of interesting things here. But, you know, you mentioned that they're not predators, but they're extraordinarily yeah. territorial, don't have a fear of anything. And mm-hmm. you slowly back up, palms up, like, you know, like that mm-hmm. bar scenario. Hey, man, I don't want any yeah. trouble here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, you, now, this is interesting. So... If their ears are pinned back, heckles raise, all the classic signs of a charge, they can run while they're fast. You didn't give me, uh, you know, didn't give the readers the actual uh, miles per hour here, but they said that you can actually outrun them because they don't, they just chase, they bluff chase basically, or they get tired. I don't know. It wasn't really clear, but they don't chase you very far. Yeah. I don't think they want to go very far. Yeah. Another one you can outrun and you're more agile than a moose, which that's mm-hmm. shocking to me. And you climb up a tree <laughs> or hide behind a boulder. Um, so do they, is this like goldfish level of memory or like, what are we talking about here? How can you hide behind a boulder? Is that real? If you're running, if you're running, if you, you know, they're not, they're not that, they're not looking for you. They're not going to, they're not like a, they're not like going after you. They're just want to, they're just going to go. So, I mean, the, so if you get behind something big, they might, they're not, they, they're going to, you know, the tree will help you. The boulder will help you. But yeah, the, the illustration on the book is the man on, in the climbing of the tree, which I think is funny. Yeah. I couldn't even climb a tree. Like I don't know how to climb a tree. Yeah. I'm very bad so at that I as well. I would have to run. Yeah. So you take the Wiley Coyote approach. You hide behind the cactus. You try to get behind the tree. If you can't get up the tree. Um, and this is another, this is a play dead moment. If you're attacked, you play dead. Uh, mm-hmm. I will mm-hmm. tell you, playing dead is a terrifying concept because oh they can still stomp you. Like just by coming close to you, if they step on you, they'll just put a hole in your body. They're yeah, th- yeah. hundreds, they're like th- half thousands a ton. of pounds. Yeah, that's a lot of weight. You just want to not get into that situation. <laughs> no, that's ideal. <laughs> You know, yeah. and I would say that that's an, an ongoing theme in your book. You don't want to get into the situation 
look big, how to encounter, you know, a pre-title. Yeah, here are the tools. At one point, the publisher wanted to call it Play Dead instead of Look Big. And I was like, no, no, no. Look Big is the action. Because whether it is coming at it from a positive approach, like you want to just be confident as a human. You want to just like look big, whether it's an army of ants in your kitchen or a moose in the... But what if play dead's the better option? <laughs> We're trying to save lives here. We're not trying to push a political agenda here. We're not trying to protect people's feelings. We're trying to save <laughs> lives here, Rachel. This is serious business. Yeah, I think ultimately look big is a better, a better. It's probably better. Uh, yeah, but yeah. that's like American overconfidence, right? And I think overconfidence <laughs> is what gets people killed. So it's like, look mm-hmm. big. And then you go up to an animal that's like, you're not really that big. I'm yeah, going they to know. kill They're you They're like, now. wait, you're only 5'2", Rachel. You're, you're, yeah, you're opening yourself up to liability here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Financial <laughs> legal liability if you just tell people to look big. Uh, so here's one that you, is going to be impossible to look big. This is my personal fear um, and one we have to talk about. And that mm-hmm. is sharks. So mm-hmm. one expert in your book said that if you've been in the water, you've been within mm-hmm. 10 feet of a shark. Yeah. I did a whole episode uh, with a man um, named Walter Wyatt, who his story in Reader's Digest when I was a kid triggered my lifelong fear of sharks in the water. Oh, and wow. I, he survived the night in this. It's called it was called Alone in a Shark Filled Sea. It was the Reader's Digest article. Mm. That I read in a dentist office when I was a mere seven years old. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, terrifying. Yeah. yeah. Terrifying. Oh my god. Mm. Uh, so I, I, you know, when I was in high school, I, I did some marine biology trips uh, to Florida, where you know, nurse sharks, bottom feeding sharks, not a big deal. But you know, you talk in the, in this particular chapter, you talk to a guy named Duran Verbeck who lives to swim and photograph sharks. I will tell you that just (laughs) seeing images, this is amazing. You know, this is an amazing physiological response that I have. If I see a great white doing great white type things, I will physically get moist. (laughs) My (laughs) fingers will sweat. I will start to bead. My heart rate will go up. So this is a real phobia. Luckily, one I can avoid by not going in the water. I don't share land with them. So... You've got some very unorthodox methods on how to fend off a shark. Let's get into it. Save my life here, mm. Rachel. I mean, well, first of all, it's very, yeah, even though I, that's, that was the stat that, um, or the fact that I always recall is that you will, if you've been in the ocean, you've been within 10 feet of a shark. I mean, that's terrifying, but also like kind of comforting because. Interesting approach. And you look, not, most often nothing's happened. Yeah. So, um, so really most likely nothing's going to happen to you if you see a shark, but if you do see a shark, what are you supposed to do? Or I know I'm more into like avoiding it in the first place though. Like, you know, maybe, you know, some people think like, why are all wetsuits black? Maybe they should be light colors because if they're black, it's like a seal and the sharks want to, they think mm-hmm. you're a seal. They want to eat you. But yeah. um, if you run into a shark in the water, you're supposed to just punch it in the snout. That's the kind of the go-to thing. But you also want to, um, you don't want to like flail around. You want to kind of like be calm. Yeah. Be calm. You know. Uh, and I think th- this is so easy. I mean, uh, this is simple advice. Just punch it in the mm-hmm. nose. Mm-hmm. Don't be scared. And then, yeah, and just slip away. Slip yeah, and then just the slip away. Swim back. You're easy. <laughs> easy. Good game. Uh, this is one that I is probably good advice. It is incredibly counterintuitive. It is something that I don't think I'm physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically capable of. And that is if you're in the water and it comes near you, you make a sudden move towards it. You be the mm-hmm. aggressor. You flinch yeah. it out. You know, go give it a yeah. quick little. 
and that's supposed to scare up. Yeah, yeah. How does that work? And are you? Is this a tried and true method? I mean, that's what they say. Like they um, being the the experts that I spoke with, like the Ron Burton, these people who spend their lives. I have not been in the situation. I don't want to get in the situation. That's why I wrote the book. But here's what to do in the rare event that you are in in these situations. So I just take the words of the experts. The experts say, you know, your instinct is to is to to flee, not like swim at it. But that's what you have to do. Yeah, it's hard to back away slowly from a from a shark (laughs) in the water. Yeah, I thought the funniest thing was that people think there's like shark repellent, like mosquito repellent, but there's not. It doesn't. Those don't really work. I mean, they're there. They just don't work. Well, there was, you know, I, I do want to bring up one point here. You know, um, I, I am also known as the master of film and television. And the Batman 1967 movie, the, the I think it was in 1967 or 68, uh, the original Batman TV series, the first thing he encounters is a shark. And he does have shark repellent, and it appears to work. It appears al- to work, yeah. Al- although the shark is made out of foam, I think. But um, I don't know. That's, yeah. that's sending a weird message, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean the pros. Maybe the, it'll get better and better. The experts think that does it doesn't work. Don't rely on that. But I mean, I guess it can't hurt, but it's not going to save you necessarily. Okay, it just may do nothing. Worst case, worst case scenario. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, and this know. is you know, and this I think is good advice. But again, um, don't be in the water with a shark. Uh, they're terrifying, and there's not much you can do. And they are the. Per- I mean evolution has created the perfect killing machine in the shark because all they do mm-hmm. is they swim, they eat, they <laughs> reproduce and they defecate. They do four things. You're not going to find them reading a book. You're not going to find them hanging out and like talking about philosophy or how to look big to avoid humans. They are yeah. only doing four yeah. things, mostly eating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if attacked by a shark, you want to just basically do whatever you can to stay alive. <laughs> Stay That's out of their it. mouth is what yeah. <laughs> key to that. Yeah. Key yeah. to that as well. Uh, so let's talk about you know one of the thing that's out here in Los Angeles. Um, luckily, I've never encountered one of these, but you hear about it a lot. Um, rattlesnakes. Mm. This is you know they have a rattle, so they're not a silent killer. Some of the things in your book are a little more scary <laughs> because you don't hear them coming like a shark. Again, they're silent as well, which makes them helps with their perfection. But rattlesnakes, they're loud, but they are dangerous. And, you know, you see stories, you hear about this, you know, and and it's always a comedic moment in some Western where a guy gets bitten in the butt and his cowboy buddy's got to suck out the poison. Uh, While hilarious, is that effective? Um, No, I think what you're supposed to, I mean, you could, no, you're supposed to just that's not going to, or I feel like that's very Green Mile. I don't, you know, that movie Green Mile. Yeah, I don't think, yeah that was magical. But I yeah. don't think that's, that's the ticket. Yeah. Yeah. That's not the ticket to surviving an, okay. a rattlesnake bite. It's okay. getting the anti-venom as soon as possible. So okay. really you want to just, um, and apparently what you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to like, say you get bit, your first thing you're going to do is you want to like, you're like a freak out and jump up and down. I think you're supposed to like stay calm and chill, call for, you know, call poison control, get, Maybe carry antivenom on you. Get the ranger, someone to help you. But you need to get to the hospital, basically, and get, get some antivenom. Okay, so don't waste time sucking out the poison. Yeah, I would just not try that. I don't think that's going to really work. Yeah. But you have to, you can easily avoid a rattlesnake. It's telling you it's there. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, unless you're one of those lunatics who likes to go out and upset them. But they deserve yeah. I, I would say if one of those people gets bitten by a rattlesnake, hold them down until the venom takes effect. 
and then mm. walk away is what I say. <laughs> um, don't call, don't run, don't call poison control. <laughs> uh, but if you're out hiking, you know, you say wear denim and boots. Mm. I will tell yeah. you that I'm an I mean, idiot. I, I didn't that. realize that's what cowboy boots are for, is to stop rattlesnake, yeah. to right. stop snake bites. One of the things, I mean, other things, maybe also rocks can't get into their shoe. But yeah, yeah I mean, I feel Fair like, uh, yeah, gee, I don't go, who, who hikes in jeans? I don't, but I'm just saying, like, if, but if you're, like, out there, you don't walk around in flip-flops is the point. Like, don't, like, you know, and, and that's another, another argument against earbuds in your ear because you can't hear a rattle or, or anything. So just enjoy nature. Be I, out there. We're, we're so into being in our, it's amazing how isolated we make ourselves with every little new invention that comes out and listening to, to earbuds is another way to come. Why are you tuning out nature? You've completely dulled yeah. your senses to what's going on around you. It doesn't make any yeah. sense to me at yeah. all. Yeah, I know. I know. I agree. So two, we got two encounters here before we wrap this up. Uh, Two encounters that I had. Well, you mentioned dogs earlier. Well, we're going to hit on dogs. I am a dog lover. And again, if you want to believe that all dogs are great and you shouldn't avoid them or you shouldn't take preparations, this is probably not the show for you. I'm a realist, Rachel, and we're going to protect ourselves. <laughs> I remember being a kid. I was oh, I was probably maybe eighth grade, high school, you know, freshman year, high school. And I went to a friend's house. I lived in a rural area. And... Right next to her house was like this big, like lot, like an un, um, uh, I don't mm -hmm. know what you call it, an unproved lot. Uninhabited. Yeah, yeah. It but it was just grass, right? And so mm -hmm. I remember I was leaving, but they had gone, everyone had gone inside and I was riding my bike home and right, I had a maybe... 70 yards there was a house and I saw these big Rottweilers and they were kind of fat they're kind of fat dogs they weren't like really in shape but they kept jumping and almost getting over this little fence they had on the porch and I remember like looking at them and I was like ah, I don't know something tells me they're gonna and as soon as I said that thought that they jumped over so two of these Rottweilers started running towards me and it was that moment where you're like ah and you start like trying oh to God. pedal but it was like a bad dream because like my foot couldn't catch the pedal and so oh. I couldn't get my bike to run oh my god and it was it was terrifying yeah. and they're you know they're running down on me so I just started screaming you know I went against yeah. all manly instincts oh inside <laughs> of me and I just started screaming my head off and luckily the owner came out yelled and they went back but um oh, it was terrifying yeah. Uh, they're no, big dogs. No, yeah, that's terrifying. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's terrifying. So, you know, they're, they're out there, right? I, I, nothing gets yeah. me more upset than people walking their dogs off leash here in the city. When I was in the country, yeah. when I lived in the country, mm -hmm. no one walked their dogs off leash when there's plenty of room. I don't know why people do it in the city. That's a whole nother issue. I'm not going to fall down that rabbit hole. But you mentioned, <laughs> I'm a dog person, but you say dog bites affect 4.7 million people a year. You know, 20 to 30 people die annually. Uh, if that feels like a s statistical rounding number, but it's still big and it's more than sharks, alligators, bears, and snakes, all the things we just talked about more than all of them combined. This is a real threat, uh, you know, that that's out there. <laughs> a threat among us. I mean, yes. well, that's, there's just living so with many you, living on your couch, living yeah. right next to you. Yeah. <laughs> there's, I mean, I think this like, it's just sort of like, ah, it's like there's, we're just with dogs all the time, but, yeah. but more than 50% of dog bites, um, occurring on your own property is sort of or in your you know in your sphere in your neighborhood um, by my own dog your, rachel by my, my own dog yeah, i me. know i know but i mean i think it's still just you know kids also because kids get like my niece like got in the dog's face and like you know the, yeah. yeah you want to just dogs like like their space as much as people like their space so just give their dog just give them space but again like 
you know, most dogs are friendly, obviously, or we wouldn't all have them in our homes and in our lives. Well, it's interesting because, you know, you, you say pit bulls and Rottweilers are responsible for 77 of dog related deaths from 2005 to 2016. Now, I know there are people out there who I had a friend who kind of turned me, you kind of turned me on to pit bulls as nice dogs. And I'm not every yeah, dog. My, it's it's owners. I know. There, I get all that. Many all, yeah. It has nothing to do with that. But this is, you know, bloodhounds. I would go on. I'm going to go out on a limb here, Rachel, and say that a lot of bloodhounds have a great sense of smell. And that's because they are bred to smell. Unfortunately, I didn't do this, but pit bulls were bred to be a fighting dog. And so unfortunately, when you breed something for certain genes, they tend to have they can have that's a prevalence. Right. I mean, I'm sure that there's some bloodhounds out there that can't smell. And they're kind of like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. They're kind of made fun of by the other bloodhounds. Yeah. There's always Ferdinand the Bull. There's exactly. always, <laughs> right. There's always yeah. one. Yeah. But this is, you know, this is not, a, it, it's just those statistics don't surprise me. So if you are not a good dog owner, you are going to accentuate mm-hmm. the bad traits. And that's when these mm-hmm. bad things happen. Mm-hmm. So this is mm-hmm. all, again, mm-hmm. human mm-hmm. beings. You can tell. Um, yeah. While yeah. not a misanthrope, yeah. I'm not super in love with the human race. Uh, and, you know, feral <laughs> cats. I, I was reading an article. The feral cats are actually actually a whole menace. And even if you have a pet cat and you let them go outside, which a lot of people do, you've introduced an apex predator into a world and, mm-hmm. you know, they've wiped, mm-hmm. they can wipe out certain populations of birds, birds and yeah. you know, some the small rodents. The whole country of New Zealand and Australia, right. I mean, people like to, are calling for the death of cats. I mean, my mom, and this, I think, I don't know if I put this in the book or not, but um, I think is your phobia of sharks. My mom has phobia of house cats, of just all this domestic cute cats. My mom will freak really? out. So I think I probably inherited that. It trickled down into something that made me write this book. <laughs> it's all there, man. We're really getting deep on psychology yeah. here. I think there's something yeah, going on yeah, with yeah. you. Uh, yeah. But it's good. It's good. Um, okay, last story about my personal yeah, encounter. Yeah. Uh, middle of a heat wave. Went to Anzo Borrego State Park here in California. For those of you who are unfamiliar, mm-hmm. that's probably the hottest part of one of the hottest states here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not quite Arizona. Some Texas can get hot, but it was hot. It was over 100, probably 110. Went hiking middle of the summer for my birthday with a friend of mine. Now, I had conditioned my body. I was playing a lot of basketball in that type of heat outside, so I was okay, but my friend started getting heat stroke halfway through this trip. We're going to an oasis and halfway mm-hmm. through the trip, I could tell she was not doing well. Well, in this area, bighorn sheep live, but are extraordinarily rare. I mean, it's a, if you see one up in the mountains, it is, you know, a gift. It's that one in a million lottery thing. Well, uh, as we were going back, a whole herd of them came down from the mountain, probably 30 bighorn sheep and just took over the wow. trail. Oh, I love that. Well, sure, you do, unless you've got to walk someone back who's on the verge of death and you have to go walk (laughs) through the herd. Yeah, exactly. So I had to do that. So what I did, this is another we're going to compare and contrast what you should do. I just... I just, you know, kind of channeled my inner cowboy and I was just like, hey, get him up, cowboy, get him out of here. And so I was trying to I tried to make a path. I don't know where it came from, but I know that there was one that was kind of not getting out of the way. He was the alpha male and I did not want to literally butt heads with him. Somehow we made it through and my friend survived. I had to put her in the pool so that she didn't get heat stroke. Uh, It was a pretty dangerous encounter. But we so I survived it. 
it, what are you supposed to do? You're bighorn sheep. They can't, you know, they're cute, they're cool, but if they yeah. hit you with their head with horns mm. on it, I mean, you're talking about mm -hmm. internal damage. It's serious business. Yeah. Yeah, those are those are sharp. So what am I? What, what mm -hmm. how did I do? Obviously, I survived it. I Should think you I did a great job. Oh, thank sheep you. Sheep or regular fluffy sheep or just you know the kind you count at night or just bighorn sheep. All sheep, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Herds. You sometimes you'll just encounter herds in the middle. of You don't even uh, when you're least expecting it. And I think obviously most usually they happen when you're in a car and you're like, oh my god, get out of your way, but don't honk at them. That's so rude. Just like let them pass and enjoy sure. the moment. Yeah. Really, I think back to dogs the big worry of just like sheep herders in general or, or sheep is when you're, if you encounter is that they're usually a dog that's herding the sheep somewhere oh. or helping the person. And so yeah. you want to like, not the dog, your the dog's job is to, you know, attack you basically, or, you know, right. the dog is like there to help the sheep, not, and you're going to startle it. So you want to just not, uh, you know, look out for the guard dog. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Cause in your book, this like sheep dogs will attack you. They're basically, they're basically tasked with killing anything that is not a sheep and is mm -hmm. not their yeah. owner, basically. Yeah. And yeah, that's yeah, yeah. you and, so and that's you your dog because your dog's yeah. like wolves. <laughs> yeah. And your dog, coyotes. yeah. And so basically, though, you want to like, you know, you don't want to go through the middle of them, which I think I like the is the vision of you kind of being like parting the Red Sea. With that's kind of what it was. I felt like Moses. Yeah. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. I was but, like trail yeah. Moses. Yeah. <laughs> but I think normally you should just go along the edge, you know, let them be there. Yeah. Monolithic mass and let them sure. move <laughs> yeah. yeah. When it's an option. But I love encountering. I love, I love when you see giants. I mean, I think it's always so fun to see all these sheep. Yeah. You know, it is great. In the middle of nowhere. Sheep dogs, you know, it's very similar. Coyotes, Wiley Coyotes, my favorite cartoons. It's probably a great place to end it on, you know, uh, illusions of my favorite animal encounters, which are cartoon in nature. Uh, but I think, you know, do you have time to stick around to do a couple of urban animals? Because that's where a lot of heavy, densely populated people are going to run into some of these things. I mean, those are my favorite slash least favorite encounters. So uh, we'll, we'll get to that as bonus episode here, but until then, you know, people can find that on okay. my website, but how can people find you? Where can they get this book? Uh, because it is guaranteed. I'm giving the guarantee to save their life. Where can people find it? And where can people <laughs> find you to read more about your uh, crazy adventures? Well, I really appreciate your support of this book. Cause I think it's an evergreen book. I love it. People um, seem to keep loving, to keep loving it. Yeah. Um, because animals are, and havens are forever together. Um, forever more, but you can always call your local bookstore because you want to support your local bookstore and ask them to order look big. Um, or of course it's on Amazon. Here, um, hold it up for the people. Let's see. You got it in your hand oh. here. Yeah. Although I think on zoom, it's like, looks back, look big, looks backwards. No, no, right? it looks good. No, no, no. It looks good. Okay. Looks anyway. big. If you put it close yeah, to the camera, it will look big. Yeah, I do love that. It's illustrated. It's like a fun, lighthearted field guide. It's really fun. Yeah, it's, it's great. Full of fun factoids. Um, and everyone likes having it like in their RV, on their camp trip, in their on their coffee table. Um, and then otherwise, uh, I'm a journalist. I have a website with my name that is Rachel Levin. But there's a million Rachel Levins out there. One of them is like a beauty influencer with. I think. Well, what are your handles? Let's be, let's be specific. Oh, let's get them there. Handles. What's um, your email address? Well, let's get my, people. My, let's direct them. My um, website is, which needs an update is called by Rachel Levin, you know, like my byline. Like B-Y, not B-U-Y, like buy my book. <laughs> yeah. Don't buy me. Okay. Right. Don't <laughs> buy you. Buy my book. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, B-Y Rachel Levin. And then, I mean, Twitter, I don't know. I'm not Twitter X, whatever. I'm not even really doing that much, but it's at Rachel Levin SF. 
Okay. Um, and then the book, oh, the book has its own little handle called um, Look Big Book in the inactive Instagram that I should, um, whoever wants, anyone wants a job making that, that um, <laughs> handle blow up, call me. Seriously, <laughs> because I know I could. I just don't feel like taking the time to do it. No, that's but, fair. Um, yeah, and, yeah. And I'll put all that, I'll have, I'll, I'll do my research. I'll get those all on the website. So we'll direct everyone to the yeah, right place. You. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and thank you so much. Yeah. And if you want to find, so you know, that website is fascinatingnouns.com. And of course you can find me on X, formerly Twitter at Fascinating Noun and on Facebook at Fascinating Nouns. Uh, Rachel, this has been so much fun. You know, I hope that you have saved my life, whether you know it or not. I'm going to use these, and should I encounter any wildlife, I will do my best to remember some of the complicated, uh, but also some of the simple methods to um, preserve my life. So thank you very much for the book and for your time today. Thank you. Super fun. (laughs) Thank you. And I want to thank everyone for listening. Have a good night. Fascinating Nouns is a Glenn Co. production and is hosted and produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn. The show producer for this episode was Sarah Brandt. The Fascinating Nouns introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and E.A. Barrientos with music and sound design written and performed by E.A. Barrientos. And I'm guessing after listening to this, you never want to miss another episode. You're going to want to subscribe. We are on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. and We even have links right there on our show website, which is fascinatingnouns.com. You can find all the links right there. And let's say you don't have a favorite podcasting platform. That's no problem. You can listen to every episode right there on the website, which is once again, fascinatingnouns.com. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter. It's a great way to learn more about the episodes that you're listening to, find out about upcoming episodes, and to just keep in touch with the community. It's right there on the website. Speaking of community, there's no better way to stay in touch than on social media. And you can find links to our show's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube pages right there on the front page of fascinatingnouns.com. And speaking of YouTube, there's a video version of this episode there right now, uh, as well as other past episodes and all future episodes. It's going to be right there, youtube.com backslash Daniel J. Glenn. It's a great way to see all the guests and, uh, you know, check it out live and in person. Feel like you're there in studio. Great way to do it, youtube.com backslash Daniel J. Glenn. And finally, if you like this show, you're going to like everything that I do. Go to DanielJGlenn.com and check out all of my projects and see what's going on. Once again, thank you for listening. End of transmission.